I don't think we've ever had this conversation. So <laughs> I just got to ask, like, straight up, do you believe in ghosts? Um, yes and no. Okay. One part of my brain, I'm going to say no. But I feel like there's been times where I, I'm either going crazy or there's a ghost in my presence. Yeah. It's usually when I'm alone at, like, early in the morning. But... I, um, knife to my throat or gun to my head, whichever saying you want to say. I would uh, probably say I would probably say no. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I my instinct, like right now, what I think mm-hmm. is yes, but they're not ghosts. There's some sort of Ooh. phenomena, but we miss we misinterpret it and we put this creepy aspect onto it. It's just it, what if they're aliens? Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> or if, like, if you read about like string theory and like, jeez, okay. No, 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 like parallel. I don't. I'm not a scientist. I don't understand that. But the basic, you know, there's parallel universes happening, yeah. like all next to each other. And so, what if every time we, you know, we think we see ghosts from our perspective, but it's mm-hmm. really just the parallel, the universe right next to ours is kind of bumping in, and they're echoes of all that seem faint how does that work parallel universes is this so close to, are we so close to another universe that it's like just hovering above us and we sort of accidentally bump like how does that work we should read frankly, a book about this frankly i don't know yeah and um you made it sound I, I, like if i just move my, if i move my arm too quick i would bump into my parallel universe uh doppelganger yeah well i mean so, that's gonna be what ghosts are I don't know too much about parallel universes. I was kind of hoping you wouldn't uh, go I would, with I want to ask like, follow questions like, Matt, was, when did that, I wonder the first person to come up with that theory probably had to sleep on that one. It's probably really, really high. <laughs> no, well, have you heard the thing? So like, um, Birds can see, like, I think they can actually see, like, magnetic wave, magnetic, magnetic waves, yeah. right? And, like, I think snakes can almost see, like, they can't see, but their sense of yeah. smell is so fun, yeah. and they can almost. So, we've only evolved, like, there are other senses out there, but yeah. we've only evolved to feel the ones we need to survive. So, it could just be there's other phenomena out there that we haven't evolved to see and are kind of we need to make a story out of what's happened mm. so that sort of other stuff that's out there we interpret as ghosts so yeah makes, but okay so that's my instinct i don't know i've do never think, had so like do a, you think animals can see ghosts can our dogs see ghosts they're not ghosts they're not freaked out mm. by them. they can just maybe dogs like see oh yeah i don't know that's frederick yeah, there's just some other thing, and they don't. Uh, yeah, that's a good. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good. But mind. that's my thing. Like they're not ghosts. Ghosts is our kind of. Are you just? Are you mad at the term? Or are you? No, I'm not mad. Okay. It's just interesting. I'm just. I have no clue. I've never had like a ghostly experience or anything. Okay. So. Yeah. Just a theory. There's still time. Don't worry. So yeah, wonder. Well, welcome to there will be books, a podcast about books, but mostly ghosts. I'm Peter, joined as always by Matt. Matt, um, how was your reading week this week? It was I, good. I started two, well, I started one book, 
and I kind of uh, started reading more of the Count of Monte Cristo. But yeah, I'll let you. I think you you finished the book, or mm-hmm. well, yeah, yeah, I finished. I said last time I was going to read The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yes, yes. So I did that. It's a short story, you know. It's like 30 pages, but. For those who are not familiar, what is The Legend of Sleepy Hollow? It's the little short story. This the story of the Headless Horseman. Okay. It's kind of ingrained. I wanted to read it because it's one of those. It's kind of ingrained in popular culture. Johnny Depp made a movie about it, right? Yeah, there's that Disney cartoon. I mean, it's kind of a famous headless horseman with like a creepy pumpkin head what if it was a a guy on a horse but the horse was headless do you think he ran ran through other iterations of the headless horseman why how did he lose his head am i ruining this well no 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 yeah (laughs) so anyway (laughs) no no (laughs) but it's a good it's a good story it was fun and i I'm going heads up. There's going to be spoilers because what's interesting to talk about, I have to talk about the end. Um, Okay. So just so you know, listener, but it's still good. I don't think I'm going to ruin anything. It's not a super twisty ending. No, you're, I think you're fine. The book's made for, no, it's good. It's Washington Irving wrote this story in like the, er, he wrote late 1700s, early 1800s. He wrote Rip Van Winkle. Yeah. He's like um kind of one of America's like earliest authors, one of the United States' yeah. earliest authors. And this just takes place in like upstate New York, um, like before industrialization and everything. So it's kind of pleasant to like sink into that world where mm-hmm. everything was like just hills and valleys and trees and you know. Um he does a really good job of sketching that. Okay. In fact, some of the reviews I saw that was actually kind of like, oh, too much description. It was boring. But um, <laughs> I liked that sort of, it's like setting the tone. And this is this sleepy little village. And the main character, Ichabod Crane, is like, character. Yeah. He is just like a school teacher who teaches in this little, little town. And, um, it's interesting because you go in expecting him to be the hero. Yeah. And, you know, it's from his perspective and all this pop culture stuff. You're like, okay, this guy battles the, the headless horseman. You kind of get a description of him and it kind of, he's kind of a mean schoolmaster. He's, mm. you know, uh, Irving talks about how he's, he'll only beat the kids who deserve it or like hit him with a switch or whatever. And then you kind of like, he, he lives by going to like far. Well, you know, well, like they used to, and if you read it and you're like, okay, back in the day, they're a little harsher. And so you'd hit them with a switch, but he'd only, he'd leave certain kids alone. Uh, he lives by going from like the parents of his pupils, their farms, and he'll kind of like mooch dinners off of them and yeah. sleep in their barn and stuff. And so he only reads uh, this one book by Cotton Mather who was like this really fire and brimstone preacher, like yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. influential in the Salem witch trials. Like, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I thought that was, that, like, that name sounds familiar. Yeah. So like that type of person and he carries around this book by Cotton Mather, you kind of get a sense like, oh, I don't really, this guy's kind of a, a weaselly mm-hmm. type dude. In fact, at one point Irving says about Ichabod, he was in fact an odd mixture of small shrewdness and simple credulity. Um, 
also in the town of, you know, the area of Sleepy Hollow, there's all these legends. There's, um, and one of the main ones is the Headless Horseman. It's just this myth, this like local town myth that there's this, um, I think he used to be a Hessian soldier. Okay. And he rides around on a big black horse and he has no head or he carries his head off to his side, but he's actually rides around headless. It's like a local ghost story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ichabod Crane like likes ghost stories and he likes creeping himself out. And so he's really susceptible to, to all this stuff. And so you're kind of going in, there's like a description of the countryside, which I really like. Yeah. You kind of get a glimpse of who Ichabod Crane is. This is and then, upstate New York. Or just up, up, up the just hub. a wooded, a nice wooded area from like <laughs> nice, nice wooded area. That's what I like. That's what that I want. I like just a nice without a head wooded area. Okay. So anyway, but Ichabod Crane kind of falls in love with this girl, and there's like a little love story. Like he he loves this girl. He wants to marry her. He's got a, a romantic rival. This big, handsome, dashing guy okay. named nicknamed Brom Brom Bones. <laughs> B-R-O-M, like Brom Bones, right? Oh, Bones. Yeah. Kind of a good so name. So he's like... A lot uh, of good names in this story. Yeah. Well, and it's a lot of Dutch... It's like Dutch... The descendants of Dutch settlers. Oh, okay. So it's like a derivative of Brom Vaughn, whatever. Um, okay. Sounds German. So, but, yeah. but yeah, so there's this kind of love triangle and Ichabod's competing with this big, handsome, lunkhead Brom Bones for a girl. And... It's kind of Brom Bones is known as like a prankster, it's a local prankster in town, kind of rowdy, boisterous. Doesn't really mean any harm, but you know, yeah, he, Ichabod can't beat him in a fight, and so there. So everything kind of comes to a head. There's this big banquet at um, the girl who they Brom and Ichabod want to marry's dad's house. Okay, and it you know Ichabod Crane has a little horse and he rides out there. And you kind of get a glimpse into Ichabod's head and you kind of realize like he kind of likes the girl cause she's pretty, but he's almost looking, he, he, you're in his head and he's looking forward to inheriting the mansion and he's like, what he could do with the place. And you kind of like, Oh, he doesn't even really, he just wants to marry the girl for the money and the position. He's kind of ambitious. And you know, the feast goes a little longer than normal. Uh, there's kind of some tension between Ichabod and Brom Bones. They tell ghost stories late into the night. And then, so by the time it's, it's time to leave and go back, it's dark. Yeah. At the very end of the feast, Ichabod goes in to talk to the girl he's in love with. Turns out, for whatever reason, you're not privy to it. The girl turns him down. Yeah. And so he's got to ride, like, ride his horse home at night um, after having been rejected by, you know, having hopes and dreams dashed. And he's prone to scare himself anyway. Yeah. And so that's when the famous headless horseman chase happens. He's riding home. Okay. He's creeped out going through the woods. There's the legend, the headless horseman always comes out. As soon as you cross the river, he comes out from behind this blind rush, right? And so lo and behold, it, ha it happens. Like yeah, yeah. He crosses the river and this headless horseman is like following him and he's freaked out. And it's just this chase, just a small little chase scene. And towards the end, it's like the legend is if you can get to the church, kind of a mile or two away, the Headless Horseman disappears. And so as Ichabod's running away from the Headless Horseman, he's almost to the church, goes through this bridge. Uh, his, the Headless Horseman takes his head and throws it at Ichabod and knocks him off. 
In the process, Ichabod loses the saddle to his horse, which was a gift from this girl's dad. Okay. So anyway, and then he like the scene changes. And like he wakes up, Ichabod Crane's gone. The town people kind of gather around and there's like a, a smashed pumpkin laying by the side of the road. Ichabod's oh, horse was found wandering away and then there's a saddle. And so a legend springs up, Ichabod Crane was a victim of the headless horseman. But, and this is the spoilers, just heads up. If you read between the lines, it's all a prank. It was Brom Bones chasing oh. uh, Brom Bones has a reputation of uh, a prankster. Yeah, yeah. He was a romantic rival. He knew Ichabod would be leaving late. Um, and where does Ichabod go? Well, there are rumors later. Um, as Washington Irving wraps up, he kind of like sums up, you know, mm-hmm. like the townspeople took it as a legend and, you know, the schoolmaster who disappeared. And it adds to the mystique of the headless horseman. But, you know, they said people would come through town and say, yeah, somebody, Ichabod Crane is like a lawyer further upstate in New York. Hmm. And yeah, he must, he ran away because of the embarrassment. So you read between the lines, it's like, okay, so this is, you know, it's, it's a legend. The guy ran away because he didn't want to pay for the saddle. He had been rejected by the girl. Um, they said every time Brom Bones heard the story retold, especially the part about the pumpkin laying by the side of the road, he would kind of chuckle. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> so it's pretty obvious. Like, oh, that's crazy. Cause I always thought it was a real headless horseman. Yeah. Like an actual a little, ghost. Kind of surprised M. Night Shyamalan, that director, didn't. Ish, ish. It was kind, it's of, kind like of yeah. The village thing. Like, oh. Yeah. But I liked it. Just a it's prank. Kind of. Why, why do you think this it? story has, has survived for so long and been made into movies and theater and kind of readapted in certain ways or certain beats of that story that kind of have, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a strange story. Mm-hmm. But it yeah. kind of taps into, I guess, something of scary myths or mm-hmm. fear. Or, I don't know. It's kind yeah. of, when you explain it, you're like, it sounds interesting and fun, but it's kind of surprising that this story is. It, it, well, I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those things I only knew about from pop culture, and I have like vague memories of watching the Disney cartoon, and there was an actual headless horseman chase. I mean, that's weird too that it's a cartoon. I watched it because it's only like a forty-minute little cartoon. I watched it, and knowing how it turns out, it's it is kind of like that. It's subtle enough, a little kit, like when I was six or whatever, and I watched it, you're not going to pick up on it. But it's there in the cartoon, yeah. too. Hmm. Ichabod not being um, a decent, you know, kind of a... Yeah, yeah. He's not the hero that you think. You know what I was thinking it was? It's kind of a cool story. It's like a, a traditional, like, romantic story where you'd see, you know, the big, the handsome person is in love with the pretty girl and they want to get married. Yeah. But the story is from the perspective of like the third wheel, kind of like the weaselly in like a Jane Austen novel, he'd be kind of the very unappealing to the reader. And he's the obstacle between the people you want to see fall in love. Yeah. Yeah. That's who Ichabod Crane is. And you're getting it from his perspective, right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting take of. That's kind of what it is. Like the Cary Grant or uh, Audrey Hepburn. I sort of see it as, the story would, I think, I don't know, nowadays or whatever, but like the big handsome guy is, you know, not in tune with the uh, 
he doesn't listen to the love interest or whatever. And then Ichabod is sort of the the nervous outcast or whatever. And the story ends up with those two together and like the handsome guy is cast aside. So I sort of think it's interesting that that doesn't happen. <laughs> well, that's, that's what kind of made the, the little twist at the end appealing or satisfying. Cause I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, it is those types of modern romantic comedies or like the Woody Allen movies yeah. where this, you know, the underdog gets the girl and yeah. you're kind of like, okay. But then you're like, Oh no, no, Ichabod is kind of weaselly. He just scared himself out <laughs> of town. He's embarrassed. Um, I, he becomes like a successful lawyer and stuff. Is it, so. You just have, is this just a, like a slim paperback version or is this like a, collected stories or collected stories of Washington Irving? Oh, cool. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm glad I did it. It's good. Yeah. I think I have some Washington Irving somewhere. Um, but I've never, I don't think I've ever, maybe in college I read some short story or something like that. Um, but I've never, I've never read that, that particular story. So I think that sounds very good. Uh, you read another book that's spooky. You're all about the spooky stuff this month. Uh, what, what it's witches. Is that correct? Well, no, no, no. That was like a book I have that I think is cool. Like a cool copy. Oh, okay. I picked up one. We were talking last time. Yeah. How just a really nervous fella. Yep. And, um, scare, scare easily. Very easily. So I got this book. I, I it's been on my radar for a bit, and the library has it, and I thought it'd be appropriate to to grab. It's called Scream: Chilling <laughs> Chilling Adventures in the Science of Fear. Oh, is is this not the screenplay for the movie? No, the movie time for the no, no. Have you seen Scream the movie? Um, no, I've seen parts of it. Mm. You know, I, I think I'm interested in the scary, the scary, the spooky stuff, mm. but I don't want to like, I'll dip a toe into the water. I'm not going to go d- diving in for, you know, metaphor, but. Mm. Uh, that's, that's funny. Cause that's what this book is about. It's kind of like, okay. uh, the lady's like, she's a scientist or a PhD in sociology. She kind of specializes in fear, kind of what it does to the brain, what it. Um, Isn't fear a, a good thing though, to have fear? It's like a human well, thing that's good. That's an interesting philosophical question. It can because put without, you in danger and make you cautious. Yeah. But if you're too afraid, you won't ever do anything, you know. So, I mean, yeah, there's two, there's extremes to it, I guess. Yeah. But well, like have, most things, you, you got to find balance. If you have no fear, then that's not good. Even though, like, I think the marketing is don't have fear and that's good. But then on the other side, that's dangerous. But on the other side, if you're like, have fear all the time, which would be my slogan on my T-shirt, just like constantly be afraid. That would also, that's not really, I mean, that's not like a noble, heroic thing. So it's interesting. In in seventh grade football, they made us yell at the end of every practice, respect all, fear none. Wait, so, say that again. Respect all fear. Respect all fear, none. <sighs> and then you, you run a lot. Sounds like you're, it sounds like a little bit of a military type thing. Well, yeah. Parallels between junior high football. And, Did the coach you know, ever say to you, you guys are respecting them too much? You're giving them too much respect. Oh, no. It was just something they thought was cool. It's like, 
some rah-rah bullshit they wanted the kids to yell. <laughs> I like it, though. Have you started that uh, scream book? Yeah. Yeah. And it's good. So she works, it's from her perspective, and this is kind of a good nonfiction, kind of informal. Is it, she is works it, in a haunted house. Is a lot like, of it science, or is it? Ish. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not stories, but she works in a haunted house. Like one of those like for real yeah. top level spooky ones where actors dress up and yep. make up and sliding doors and people jump yep. out and scare you. And she has permission to go observe people and kind of get to the root of their reaction and, and all hmm. that. So, and I think I'm, you know, I'm not even halfway through, but I think her conclusion uh is that it's good to kind of maybe expose yourself to scary scenarios to kind of prep to, to get used to it. So when something actually bad happens, you're kind of not put off and you can think a little, little clearer. Got, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I agree, I mean, but I'm also like, eh, I'm not going to go to the, I, the scary. I got it with you in mind. I know. I appreciate it. Because I'm your informal life coach. And so... I view you as my formal life coach. Well, I charge for that. Okay. So. <laughs> Nine ninety nine an hour. Man. Oh God, no, twenty. Nope. I have I have the friend deal. Okay. At the discount rate. Well, we'll see. Scream, scream. But yeah, it's yeah, it's good. I'm I'm really, really leaning into You're, the spooky stuff this month. Yeah, you are the spooky stuff. There's a. The girlfriend was watching a new uh, Netflix like horror series. She's like, "Do you want to watch this?" I go, "No, not." It's like the Blythe Manners. I don't know what it was called. Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that pop up. So I was like, "Uh, "I think what I'll do is I will watch um, the Haunting of Hill House Mm -hmm. when we're done." Yeah, when we're done. Yeah, I'll I'll attempt. Maybe I won't watch all of it. But I, I will give it a shot. Well, there was a movie. If I can track down, I was kind of reading about movie versions of that book. Yeah. There was a movie in like the 60s that they say is pretty faithful to the book. Okay. The Netflix series, there's none of the characters are the same. It's kind Yeah, of like that's what I heard. Movie. It's not really all that but, spoily. Spoily is not a word, but. I'll give it a shot, but I might try to track down the movie. Okay. Well, let me tell you what I started this week. Um, I started, I picked up Nick Hornby, who I mentioned before on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, British author. He writes a lot of stuff that gets adapted into TV sh- or uh, movies. Fever yeah, Pitch. Out a boy. Out a boy. Uh, yeah. There's, what's the other one? Um, the record sh- what's the record sh- shop oh high fidelity high fidelity okay, yeah. probably my favorite movie that they've done movie, yeah. uh this one is called just like you just came out i didn't even know it was coming out and yeah. it's very nick hornby if you're a fan of his you're you'll enjoy it um two main characters a kind of 40 something british they're every character in this novel is british so it's not no point in saying british uh, a 40-something uh, single mother with two kids who f- sort of falls for a black 20-year-old butcher, kind of like he works in the butcher shop that she goes to. 
and sort of how their lives sort of connect. And I don't know, it's just sort of, uh, he has just kind of like smart observations, funny. He's sort of, he kind of has like a slight anger, some of this stuff. Um, There's some like Brexit talk. So yeah, Uh, it's not nothing too serious, kind of a light, easy read. I I just like his style. So I don't think there's a lot to like delve into with him. Um, It's what a good writer will do though. Yeah, he just, I think he, he knows his, his audience. And if you're not a fan of his, I wouldn't like recommend his stuff because he doesn't really change too much about, I mean, this one's a little different, you know, uh, interracial relationships he's never really delved into before. So it's kind of a different uh, theme or topic. And so far he's handled it pretty well and interesting and the characters are all, uh, I don't know, interesting some of them are jerks but that's to be expected in a nick hornby book um so yeah i'm about halfway done with that and then i've been reading it feels like i'm not making any progress on this brick of a book uh the kind of monte cristo so Mm -hmm. that's our fall book yeah and yeah i'm really liking it so it's good and it's very um I'm, he's still a, he's still in prison okay but he's like he's starting to figure out there's going to be a way to get out so i'm on page 157 oh, okay okay so that's that's like m- maybe 12 percent of the book yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm at like i'm at almost 500 like 450 500 okay pages in and there's still 800 pages left yeah. but it's good it stays good i'm it's yeah exactly. yeah i'm uh i'm reminded of like just reading it how different it is to sort of modern fiction you know yeah we don't want to talk too much about this book because we'll do a, a whole episode but just to like kind of get some of my thoughts out it's refreshing for the scenes to be so well thought out and full of twists and people backstabbing each other and i don't know mm-hmm. i just good. really like i really like the book so far entertaining i got a couple bunch of like like quotes like oh that's phrased or phrased interestingly or that's a good that's something i want to come back to yeah yeah really it's definitely yeah there's a lot of um i kind of am interested to see how they've turned it into multiple film adaptations yeah. just to see how they you know portray certain characters and stuff like that so yeah, yeah. I have images in my head of what everybody should look like, and I'm, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. we'll, well, we'll talk about casting and stuff, and whether the movie versions hold <laughs> up. Be interesting to watch because I saw the movie like a long time ago when it came out, but it kind of like I've never seen a, a movie uh, version of this, so I don't. I need to watch after. Yeah, I'm but, not gonna watch a uh, watch a. Uh... I have a hunch it might do better as like a. A show like a series if they're gonna do an adaptation just do like a 12 12 part yeah. amazon or netflix thing just really the whole I, story i also realized i didn't i knew about napoleon but i didn't know like sort of the he gets exiled then comes back and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah they, i was like oh i didn't really i don't know if that's common knowledge but in the notes in the penguin edition i have they kind of talks about that and i thought that right was- after and he lost waterloo 
Otherwise, yeah, Waterloo. I, you know, you hear. I'm like, oh, Waterloo. I know that's the the battle he loses, but I didn't know that's after he had like come back for a hundred days or whatever. So yeah. Well, and that's a fun historical what if. Like, okay, so he wins. Napoleon's back in charge for another decade or whatever. Yeah, yeah. How does that change year up? And you love the uh, historical what ifs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is everything hinges? They're fun. They're fun parlay. It's a fun bar game to do. Yeah, yeah, basically. So, uh, where do you want to go next? I got some uh, kind of coffee table books I was looking at because uh, yeah. the holiday season's coming up for purchase for you or to buy other people mm, just interesting ones i'm i like coffee table books i have some a few of them i have uh the artist turner the british art turner uh it's called turner in the sea i have that i bought that at a used bookstore for like 15 bucks yeah. but they're always so expensive though is the issue mm-hmm. yeah get one for like under 40 dollars is kind of a a task yeah but i like books of like photography and nature and i saw one that's coming out that it is kind of about uh like the impact of uh humans on on nature i guess so it has a picture like an older picture then right next to it it's going to be a like uh a recent picture and sort of how the how to the landscape and nature has changed over time. Mm-hmm. So let me go through a couple of these. and Let me know your opinion. If you would uh, buy this for yourself or for someone in you, in your life, a family, a gift, a gift. Gotcha. Uh, hold on. Let me pull this up here. The first one I have, I'm not even sure this is even a, a coffee table book, but it was in the travel coming soon section. Um, it is the unofficial Disney parks cookbook. Mm. I thought was so, it was a very weird thing, but I feel like if you put that on your coffee table, people are like, huh, I wonder what Disney parks cookbook, the unofficial. So it's not the official. Apparently this is a series of unofficial cookbooks. I didn't even know it existed. I want to say no. What comes to mind is like, the hot dogs or whatever concession food you buy at disney world like, like how to make that on i know own. that's what i was thinking i, I started off with that one because i didn't think that, i thought that was a strange um selection for their like this is upcoming like i don't think that book is going to sell make, too much because i can make a cheap hot dog and some popcorn on my own is that what it is but what is it really or is that click, it let me click on it because i didn't even i just saw the uh comes out november 10th if you're interested uh let's see here stroll right down the middle of main street usa journey from Adventureland to infinity and beyond at pixar pier and explore every avenue in between to taste the flavors of the disney parks this yeah. is this isn't giving yeah, me too yeah. much of what's going on here these 100 recipes inspired by iconic yummies are perfect whether you're forever disney fan or just love a good snack man i don't know if these are gonna be uh very good there are no reviews and i'm a little dubious of this i don't want to i I won't give it to anybody either (laughs) 
The next one, I this is a podcast, and I like this podcast, but they they wrote a book about this. You ever heard of Ninety Nine Percent Invisible? No. It's a podcast by Roman Mars, and he's done it for a while. But the the book is called The Ninety Nine Percent Invisible City: A Field Guide to the Hidden World of Everyday Design. Hmm. So let's see here. Roman Mars is a, a pseudonym, right? No, I think that's his real name. It's like a field guide to weird um, urban design things. Have you ever wondered what those bright squiggly graffiti marks on the sidewalk mean? Or stop to consider why you don't see metal fire escapes on new buildings? Or ponder the story behind those dancing inflatable figures in car dealerships? And this book goes into why things are designed or... Um, why architecture is the way it is it's sort of absurd or interesting or intriguing ways so what about that yeah actually that sounds interesting yeah it's a you know what? i i actually i i would that interesting for me but there's actually i i do a podcast once a week with a guy <laughs> and i might like sounds like right up i might do that as a gift hey like, I, yeah yeah the architecture hint. stuff yeah hint, hint. Uh, that actually is interesting, though. Why yeah. don't you see metal fire escapes anymore? You see them in chips. Oh, we're going to have to get this book. Yeah, you see, yeah. it must be all internal. Yeah. I live in an apartment building a few years ago, and there was no fire escape. But there were, like, on either end, uh, um, stairs, you know. Yeah. Because there, uh, there was an elevator. So yeah, I don't know why there's not a fire escape. We'll get the book and find out. Maybe my guess would be that those buildings don't have stairs. It's just elevators. Oh yeah, so they needed outdoor stairs. That could be completely wrong. But the metal fire escapes are a good way for like private eyes or bad guys to see. Oh, it's in. much more interesting of a uh, design choice, I think. Although they do kind of rust and they they break. Yeah. Well, they're good for chase scenes though. What if you had ladders or like um like foot bridges in like let's say you lived in a normal neighborhood, like the neighborhood you live now. Yeah. And everyone's roof, you could just walk to the other person's roof. Kind of like, like a tr tree fort house type thing. Nobody knows their neighbors anymore. No, but like you could have a gate up. Let's say at your property line you have gates and they have a gate. So to get to the other side, you have to like, your neighbor has to invite you over, but you can just walk from, I don't know. I like it. I think it goes against America's kind of like um, private ethos, every man for himself. But I, I would actually I, be in. I sounds, just came up with it. So I don't I I, know. It sounds ridiculous, but yeah. I think it would encourage more like community. Yeah. I also think tree houses should be more of a thing. Yeah. Have you ever seen a tree house? Like, you know, they make the really fancy ones these days. I'm sure there's a coffee table book about tree houses. Oh, there are. They're cool. Yeah. You, uh, you, ever, you, you don't ever see a tree house and be like, that's not cool. You only see them and you go, that's really, you know, I wish I had one of those in my neighborhood. Yeah. No, I like tree houses. That and those like little uh, library things, you know, the little tree house libraries. What's that called? 
I see like free libraries. I don't it's know like a free library. So you, if yeah. you take a book from it, you're supposed to put a book back yeah. in. Below. Yeah, I see those a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So my neighborhood, if I created one, would have those plus tree houses plus foot bridges from the roofs of everyone's house. Walkways to people's roofs. No cars either. It would all be pedestrian foot traffic in the neighborhood. What do you so, think about that? Too much? Sounds like a good neighborhood. We should almost we should almost write our own coffee table book. Coffee table book about the ideal neighborhood. I think I'm, I get a sense. I think the general public might be a little hesitant. Mm. There'll be because there's in my head even just now there was some initial pushback to the walkway idea. Okay. You know, right. And it's just like, oh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Really, that's the dumbest. Weird. It couldn't be the dumbest. But then I wanted to embrace. It's like no, no, no. Actually, I I, I like it. Okay. I like it. Here's another book you could get. Uh, Uncorked, a corkscrew collection book. No. What? Hold on. Comes out no. November 3rd, 2020. Uh, it's a number one new release in wine, according to Amazon. But it's a book just about pictures of corkscrews. I don't really know. I don't want that. Why not? You, don't, you like wine, don't you? You don't like wine? Yeah. I don't have an accessory of corkscrews. No, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I thought that would have gotten more of a, a somewhat appealing. How many different uh, types of corkscrews are there? That's what you got to find out. I don't only know. need the one. Maybe a backup one. See, I have, uh, I think we have two. Maybe. Yeah. One. I know you always lose one. Mm-hmm. And then they have the fancy ones because the one on the the um, the image on the uh, cover is very ornate. Oh yeah, looks, it looks like a silver bullet with some sort of like um, Asian like snake design with uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it, there's a lot going on in this corkscrew. I guarantee you, if you had this corkscrew, you would probably show it off quite often. Oh, I'm sure they're very ornate, fancy corkscrews. I just don't want the, I don't know. I don't want to look at a bunch of corkscrews. Get out of here with that. Okay. The other one I had, I, I lost my place here. You got me all. Um, was, I think you would like this. It is a kind of a travel book, but also sort of a movie book. I kind of, it is, real places on earth that look like they're in a Wes Anderson movie. Hmm. Uh, so it's like, I, it sounds like it's been like this project for a while of people finding these, or maybe it's just the writer of the book, finding these locations that look like they would be in a Wes Anderson movie. Hmm. It's called accidentally Wes Anderson hmm. by Wally Koval. Um, Oh, yeah. See, now inspired by a community of more than one million adventurers, accidentally Wes Anderson tells the stories behind more than 200 of the most beautiful, idiosyncratic, and interesting places on Earth. This book has been authorized by Wes Anderson himself. Travels Mm -hmm. to every every continent and into your own backyard to identify quirky landmarks and undiscovered gems. It actually looks pretty cool. Yeah. You don't, that's, that's a no for you? No, no, no. I check it out. I check it's it like, out. I'll look at it. It's like any building with color and sort of stark, weird designs. If you put Bill Murray there, you'd be like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah. 
Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. No, I did a couple of people I could give that to. And I'd I think you, if you, yeah, if you got that, I think you like Wes Anderson. I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll check There's a lot out. of other ones about nature and David Attenborough has one coming out. And a lot of like, um, they do a lot of like houses, you know, hundred modern houses or like interior design books are pretty popular, but I'm not, I don't really care for those. So. Yeah. I'm not into that. You know what I do like? I like old, old photos. Like old I do like those. There was one a couple of years ago where they colorized old photos and I got yeah. that from my dad. Yeah. I kind of want to copy for myself because it's an excellent. That's uh, cool. Like, like 1850s, 1860s, right? When photography became. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, I have one of like old Civil War photos. And it's kind of crazy. Like the American Civil War. Yeah. All these black and white like pictures and. And they're cool. It kind of brings home how, like, it seems like a long time ago when you see pictures, the actual people who were there, it's like, oh, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Because you always think when you see the black and white, you're always like, I wonder what they, like, they saw in color too. So it's weird. Yeah. I don't know. The, I think the book I'm thinking of is called The Color of Time, A New History of the World, 1850 to 1960. But I could that could be wrong. But I think that's the book I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah. They're able to do that more and more. I see a lot of stuff kind of online. They can colorize um, old videos and stuff. And it, yeah. Have you ever seen world war two in color? World war one. Or war I guess both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> world war one. Yeah. World war two is not in color either. Well, yeah, it was more so than one, but they, they did a whole Peter Jackson did a whole movie. I watched that. World that war, was world war one. Yeah, about World War One. What was that? We shall not be something yeah. forgotten or something like that. Yeah, it is weird how World War One is kind of the forgotten war. Yeah, well, out of the two, mess, the nightmare. Yeah, so not that World War Two was pleasant, but like you know, both of them were terrible. No, it was sounds terrible. Just but you don't get a lot of books at World War One. I think it's probably harder to do because World War II, there's a pretty clear cut bad guy. Yeah. You know, like war is awful and everything, but it's a pretty, you know, you can make store like kind of more rah rah stories about good versus evil. World War One is kind of just a four year slog and a mess and pretty pointless. And yeah. Yeah. There's, there's not a lot of store like heroic stories to be had. It's all tragic. Kind of like you don't see a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of movies about the Iraq War, the most yeah. recent one, because it's not. Uh, you don't, yeah, you don't get a lot of movies where things are gray or the conflict is. Yeah. Or yeah, even yeah. like the the countries back then or the regions are named differently, so it's it's maybe not as easy for a, a modern audience to get a grasp on it. I think you could do it. I just I, don't. I'll be honest, I still don't really understand Prussia. Well, it was what Germany became. Yeah, it was, but it's, it's a little, it's, yeah, I'm a little. It's, it's not like, that hard to understand. Okay. Is it a part of Germany or how does that work? It, Prussia became Germany. It was like a little chunk. After the war, first world war. 
Yeah, well, mm, oh. before, before. So right around the same time, the United States kind of became just, one. Of now this, there, so you know how there's this, different... This segment is called Matt Teaches Peter something. <laughs> we know how there's different states, right? And they yeah. finally came to the United States. Prussia was like a chunk. Like a visit That's what I thought. It was, it was a section of Germany. Like New England. But it had its own government, correct? No. Yeah, Germany was a bunch of like what be, what Germany is now, what became Germany. Prussia was a big part of, like half a big a big chunk. And right around right around Lincoln was kind of uniting the United States. Otto von yeah. Bismarck, he's the guy who united Germany. He modern Germany kind of came out of what he did. Okay. Prussia was just a big chunk of Germany. And there were other city states and areas and um, like Bavaria and you know whatnot, and that became Germany. But it used okay. to be looser federation, kind of like how the United States used to be a looser confederation of states, and now it's a united entity. Okay, I think I I think I'd get it. I don't think I could like tell someone else about it, but I think I sort of understand. Well, we'll get there. It's all part of the learning process. It is. It is. But anyway, I don't think they can make heroic movie. There are certain wars that lend themselves to story, like the kind of stories people want to hear with heroism and stuff. Mm-hmm. Civil War. There's been some uh, pretty popular movies. Pretty clear. Often, but they don't do those as often because I feel like World War Two movies are every three years. World War Two, yeah, like because our we were we won, and it's a pretty clear cut bad guy. But there's like glory, and there's some Civil War movies. Mm. Uh, I don't. I just don't think those are as successful. You know. Well, anyway, there hasn't been one in a while. That's true. What other? Uh, do you want to talk about the witch's book? You didn't, you thought it was just a cool book. Well, this is cool. It it really is good. I got it. It's out of print now. It was an anniversary gift from my Ooh. wife. It's really cool. It's it's by Erica Jong who is like a feminist writer, um, but it's really well illustrated. And it's kind of, I call it kind of like a coffee table or a picture book for adults. It yeah. can kind of work as a coffee table book, but it's just little essays about cultural, cultural study of witches. Like, huh. it's, so it's not like a scary story book. It's like, she really delves into you know, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Cultural significance of witches, like what types of women were historically called witches, what led the society to view them as outcast or dangerous, and it's really, really cool illustration. She makes some really good points. Um, it's fascinating. It's really yeah. cool. But I like stuff like that. You can kind of flip through and can I can I can I read some Amazon reviews? Yeah. Can I just read a headline for you? Yeah. This is from M. Cassidy, okay, from 2016. The headline is, Sex with Demons, dot, dot, dot. It's in here. Mm. (laughs) That'll appeal to a certain segment of people. (laughs) Uh, What else? Yeah, I just saw that. I was like, I got to tell you about this. (laughs) This one, everyone, it's good. it has really good reviews. It says it's a beautiful book. It's a uh, person calls it a near perfect book. Witchy art. Um, the illustrations seem to be universally praised. 
It's cool. It's fun to flip through. Good little essays. There's another one I have called Castles by Alan Lee. Yeah. You went through and illustrated like the history of the castle. I and feel like, like I've heard of that. Both real castles and like kind of castles from stories and whatnot. It's really cool too. It's fun to like look through. See all the different versions of the castles. You ever been in a castle? No. You ever been in a castle? No. I've been in they a don't have them here. Yeah, they do. They actually have a book called Colorado Castles. I've been in a bouncy castle. That's like almost the same thing. Ones. So yes, I have been in a castle. That's not the same. You know, I've been in Casa Bonita. That's like a castle. castle. Yeah. Hearst Castle. That's in California. No, those don't. Those don't. Count. That's a castle. But I've never, I've never been in. I don't actually think that's a castle. It might just be a guy's house. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like an actual castle, an old king had to live there. Not like William Randolph Hearst, like imitating European architecture is not a real castle. Well, I've been in castles and they should, some states should be like, you know what? We're going to build some castles. And they would get people from all over the country and all over the world to see their new castles. Don't you think if I was governor, I would run for that. That would be one of my, that would probably be the sixth thing I'd do. We're going to build castles. You know, I try to solve schools and, you know, energy. And then the last thing I should be, and by the way, you're worried about construction. All of our construction jobs, are they leaving us? Nope. We're going to start building castles. Would you, you solve schools and energy? <laughs> gonna build some I go, castles. I go castles. A question mark. I would start it off slow. I would just have posters and I'd have a nice castle and it would say, do you want one of these? And then just have like a guy holding his hands up. Vote for Murph. Vote for Murph. He's, he might, he might build us castles. Do you, you know what you do? You tie them together. So schools would now be in castles. Your children deserve. Oh, that's so good. It'd be like uh, Harry Potter. I know it's a touchy subject, but that would be the angle. Yeah, you'd have to. You'd have tired, to of, tired of taking your kid to a boring school. Yeah, I am. Guess what? All schools are now in castles. Real life Gryffindor. Vote Murph. Really, <laughs> genetically engineered animals that look weird and act weird. Guess what? We're gonna let them loose into your kid's school. Would you mm. send your kid to Gryffindor? Or not Gryffindor, what's the school called? Hogwarts. Hogwarts. Mm, no. No? Learn witchcraft. Is it witchcraft though? I don't think it's witchcraft. It's magic. Depends on how you look at it. School of witchcraft and wizardry. No, but that in your campaign, that's how you'd sell it to the to the rubes. I you think know, it would be great that grew up on harry potter and just eat that up i think i'd bankrupt the state whatever state i was in but you know what we'd have all these cool castles that would be like the yep. rooms were falling in yep i think but the thing Castle. is like after i left office or i got kicked out of office because of the scandal of you know who who paid for these castles hmm. everyone would just have these castles everywhere and you could take photos with them and then like, the school, everyone would have to go back into the old schools and the castle schools shut down. It's kind of like Europe now. <laughs> castles that are tourist attractions. What about prisons that were castles? 
Uh, castles are now prisons, right? No, they're not. Is that what the what do the English do at the Tower of London? That's a tourist trap. That's expensive. Yeah. But no, I'm saying that was a prison that is now. Seems pretty easy when you go to it. Well, there's a moat around it, but the moat's you know empty now. But it didn't seem like the, it didn't seem like Alcatraz. Mm. Well, see, that's a fort. We have forts that are now prisons. Alcatraz was was a fort. Alcatraz. Was that a fort? Yeah, I think it's old Civil War fort. Okay. Have you yeah. ever been to Alcatraz? No. What you do is you go and they take you in one of the cells, okay, and then you get your hands up on the bars. And you take a picture, and it looks like you're in jail. Crazy. That's what that's what everyone does. I don't know. Sounds sounds fun. <laughs> you can tell that neither of us read or finished a fiction book to talk about this week. <laughs> <laughs> we are going off on Alcatraz, and uh, yeah. So, you ever seen Escape from Alcatraz? Clint East, Eastwood. Yeah. No. It's, it's a good movie. I don't think they've actually. Confirmed. <laughs> I was dropping my microphone and computer there. I don't think they've actually confirmed that those people escaped. Yeah, they well, that's kind of. You can see the uh, they made like paper mache heads or something. That that's in the movie, right? Yeah. Well, I've actually seen the movie. Yeah, that's what it it gives. It's the story of the escape, and then at the end, it's like they don't they don't know. They never they drag the. I think it's a really hard swim too. Well, that's the point. And it's up in the air. You want to believe you're rooting for them in the movie. So you want to believe they do. Um, okay. I think they did just because I've seen the movie and I want to believe that. But you never know. They I kind of agree with you. I think it's possible. They snuck out and then they made little rafts out of like coats and everything. But wouldn't you be soaking wet when you got to shore and people would be like, you know, well, it's isolated. It was like there's a couple of islands. Yeah, and that's the whole other thing. If you can get out and break free, then you'd have to kind of sneak around, try to steal some clothes, or you yeah, you'd have to do whatever you have to do and get away. That's a whole other second half. Get away in. Do like, you think you and I could come up with a plan to escape prison? I don't know prisons anymore. Like they just Pr- seem sound so pretty hard. Like back in the day, like I love when I was a kid, I loved like World War Two. POW escapes. Yeah. Escape. And I read all the books like the, that movie was based on. Mm-hmm. And that was like a little, the technology wasn't such where they monitor you and film you all the time. Like you could, I think I do okay in like an old barbed wire camp where you could tunnel out or just pick a night and snip the wires and then try to get out. I have a question for you. I thought, I have, I, sometimes I wonder about this. And it's it's a moral question or issue, but these prisons are terrible nowadays, or they've never been good. Why don't they just computer chip prisoners? That's terrible, but terrible stuff happens all over. But it's I'm kind of surprised they don't. Maybe they do that in the down low. What do you mean? Edit this part out for you know people to get upset, but isn't that kind of weird? What you do you think? Mean? What? They would just like, in case you escaped, they knew where you were because they have a computer chip in you. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they escape. I mean, I think they're pretty escape proof. Like when you hear okay. about every now and then, but one of those supermaxes, like you're not getting out of there. I don't know. Or like, why don't parents chip their kids? I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of sci-fi where like that's a potential. There are uh, little RFID chips. Mm-hmm. 
in like everything you buy. I know. I already chipped in. I worked my title for one time was RFID lead. And what that meant was every month I, we had this device and it would, you would kind of like turn it on and it was kind of like a wand. And then you would walk through the store and everything that had an RFID chip, it would sound like kind of like a Geiger counter. And it would like, when you turned it on, it would go off and it was like super loud and just like hundreds of things are getting counted at once. So that's yeah. my story about RFID. Yeah. So everything else you buy has chips in it. I don't know. There's, there's certain segments of people like a lot of hardcore Christian fundamentalists and conspiracy type people who worry about getting microchips. That would be like the market. I don't advocate for it. I'm just sort of surprised in this day and age. It's not something that people talk about. I mean, maybe it's in, it's in sci-fi stories and like Tom Cruise already. We're already as a population, pretty docile and easily to keep track of. So they don't, maybe they know that putting it under our skin might freak people out, (laughs) but we're already, I mean, like, People are online. You log on your phone. It's got GPS in it. You're trackable already. They don't have to. You check in voluntarily with the surveillance apparatus. You know what I mean? I just have these dumb thoughts and you get so mad at them. Well, I'm not mad. I'm sorry if I come off as mad. But as your life coach, I got to drill. This episode is just you're my life coach. Yeah. I am a life coach. I'm uncertified. Uh, so the listener knows, um, but I'm very good. Pretty good. And like Sherlock, you know, Sherlock Holmes doesn't go out like scouring for cases. People come, People come to it or yeah, they come to you. I'm kind of like that. I'm a special life consultant, kind of a wildcat life coach. I'll fix uh, your life, but okay. I might not take your case. You got to be a special extra intriguing case to me. And then 20 to 30 an hour, depending I'll take a case. Look me up. Look him up. And on that note, I think that's a, a good stopping point this week. <laughs> Just why not? A, an advertisement for you to be uh, our listener's life coach. Yeah. You can me. find us online. You can send Matt an email or me an email at willbebooks at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at there will be books. And we have a Goodreads account where we, uh, I think this week I'll finish the Nick Hornby book and try to write a kind of short review. Okay. Yeah. Kind of comparing it and seeing if it's any better or worse than his other stuff. Right now it seems in the same, similar vein as his other stuff. So good for fans of Nick Hornby, but you can check us out on Goodreads and, and follow what, uh, we, I like to add like to be read books. It's kind of one of my things. So yeah. I like to do that. So. Uh, any last thoughts, Matt, this week? No, no. Just Nothing. hang in there, everybody. Hang in there, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.